gather around for the apologetic. Welcome, welcome, welcome again, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, this is Theologetics, and I am still your host, and that's pretty much, I'm going to be that. Okay, I'm going to be that. Okay, I am Greg Williams Jr. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Theologetics Podcast. Thank you. Um, I just want to say to all the people that's been supporting it, to all the people that has been you know liking sharing commenting uh all those things i i appreciate you guys for showing the love and support of the content that is being put out uh because i am real big on truth i am real big on making sure that the truth is communicated uh uh in a godly way and also you know with grace which is also a godly way um because you know i want to model who my lord and savior is you know that he is full of grace and truth and that's what i want to do i always want to make sure that uh, when i'm lacing my words i want to make sure i'm lacing it with truth but also with grace so i want to make sure that it doesn't come off as i'm trying to judge you i don't want it to come off as i'm trying to condemn you I don't want it to come off as that, you know, that I got a heaven or a hell to put you in because I don't. All right. That ain't I, I don't. All right. Um, but I just also but I want you to know. Uh, these things and I want you to know, you know, biblical con content. I want you to know biblical context because I'm real big on context. If, if you have not figured that out yet, I'm real big on context and um this is going to be a really good episode i have a feeling that it really is going to be a really good episode so i'm gonna go ahead and get into it y'all um so the title of this episode is when christians say it don't take all that you know in quotations you know people you know a lot of christians today they really don't take their walk with god seriously um, and I'm not saying that, you know, you can't have fun or, you know, you, if you're if you're a follower of Christ, you got to you got to just lock yourself in the house and, you know, not talk to nobody or 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 you had to, you, you know, all the legalistic stuff, you know, wear pants and, you know, you don't you don't eat certain things. Look, that ain't what I'm talking about. I ain't saying that you can't go to the movies. I ain't say you, you can't go bowling. Listen, I bowl. As a matter of fact, I can bowl. All right. Got a got a clean hook. You know, on, on the ball, right? But uh, and I'm I, listen. I'm not saying that you can't go out with your, fr with your friends and nothing like that. That is not what I am saying. What I am saying when 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 Christians say that it don't take all that is a lot related to their personal walk with Christ. It has something to do with they don't take their walk with Christ seriously, like they really take it for granted. Like they don't understand 
or they, they don't have a renewed mind of the grace that they have. And a lot of times you abuse what you don't, uh, what you don't know that you have, you end up abusing it. And, and a lot of, and a lot of times we end up abusing the grace. We end up abusing the love. We end up abusing the mercy that Christ has provided for us. Um, and the sacrifice that he provided for us, we pretty much take that for granted because we just feel that, well, he did everything that he needed to do. So therefore I can do whatever I want in a way. And ah, that ain't what Jesus teach. <laughs> Cause like I said, in the, um, in, in my introduction episode, I said that your, 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 um, your, your relationship with Christ is not a toxic relationship. Like he showed you how much he loves you. So in return, you need to show him how you love him. And he already told you how he wants to be loved. Okay. He already told you, obey my commands. He already loved you before you loved him. Paul said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So you were a sinner. You were an enemy of him and he still died for you. And and we we need to understand how much it took and and, and 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 the cost that it took for Christ to even reconcile us back to God. All right. So I just want to make my my first point on this. So every believer of Jesus Christ, okay, if you if you are a professing believer of of Yeshua. Okay, Yeshua Hamashiach, right? If you are a professing uh, believer, disciple of Jesus Christ, um, what we need to understand is how much and what it took for Jesus to save us. It was not an easy job for Christ. Okay, Jesus was sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because he was in agony of what he was about to go through for us to be saved. For, uh, I say for us to have the opportunity to be saved. Because he died on a on on a not he he died for something that was not even guaranteed. Like it was not guaranteed that we was going to accept what he did. It wasn't guaranteed. Okay. Um. But he still did what it took. For us to be reconciled back to him Reconciled back to The father So What Jesus went through He he went through Being beaten beyond recognition He had a crown of thorns Pressed against his skull Okay He was forced To carry a cross For miles Alright And then had and then, and then once he got to the uh, to the hill called Golgotha, or in Latin, uh, in the KJV, it will say Calvary, right? Um, they they put huge nails, and they driven these huge nails through his wrist and his feet, and he was being humiliated, and and he he was he was shamed and humiliated. By hanging on a cross naked. Okay. Notice what I just said. Jesus was on that cross naked. Do not believe Hollywood. Uh, Cause Hollywood 
when, when they have Jesus on the cross, they had him wearing these these dusty white drawers. Okay, Jesus was not wearing dusty white drawers. Jesus was up there naked. His genitals were out. Yes, his genitals were out, fully naked. Okay, and that actually shows some symbolism right there because he was fully naked, taking on the shame that Adam and Eve inherited to us. Because when Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they were naked and unashamed. But when they sinned, sin brought shame. And so when they when they were shamed, what happened? They went to get fig leaves to cover up their shame. Well, Jesus is on the cross saying, I will take your shame. I will take your guilt. That's what I'm that's what he's doing. Fully naked. Because what because because how Paul words it, you know, Christ is the second Adam. The first Adam brought uh sin. Second second Adam, he brought salvation. Okay? So he did all of this and he he died on it on on that cross. He laid down his life. Jesus said, "No one takes my life, but I lay it down, and I can take it up again." So Jesus willingly submitted himself unto death on that cross and he laid down his life for the sins of humanity took on the full wrath of God that was supposed to be on us that is called propitiation propitiation means that uh, that Jesus um uh the the wrath of sin that was supposed to be on us he took that he took that wrath that we were supposed to get he took that on that cross and he absorbed the full wrath. All right. So and 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 he died. Okay. So if so if Jesus was not a propitiation for our sin, we need to understand this that that um that we would still be lost. We would still be under the wrath of God and we would not be reconciled back to God if Jesus did not do what he did. Okay, so this means that if, if Jesus did not do what he did, if <laughs> we would see God as a judge rather than our father. Like, I need y'all to understand if, if Jesus said, well, it don't take all that. If if he if he had that posture to say that it don't take all that, I'm going to just let humanity just stay in a sinful state. We would still be lost. We would we we would not know what it means to be a human. Because understand, we, we we don't we don't live fully as human because we we have a sin nature. Sin a sin prevents us from being truly human. So you know, a lot of people will say when they when they sin, they're like, oh well, I, well you know, we all sin, we human. Well, actually, when God originally made humans, He did not make humans with sin. You understand? He did not make humans with sin. He made humans in his image without sin. Okay. It wasn't like a, um, <laughs> I don't know if y'all, um, y'all know that cartoon or the Powerpuff Girls. Y'all know the, the theme song where it says sugar, spice, and everything nice. These are the ingredients that create the perfect little girls. Uh, what he said, but Professor Utonio accidentally uh, added an extra, what he said, uh, an extra ingredient to the concoction, chemical X. <laughs> 
and he at, and he accidentally knocked in chemical X into the uh into the uh into the little pot that he had. Well, when God God didn't accidentally just oops had sin right here and then oops put put sin in humanity. No, he didn't do that. God made humanity and he said it was good. Well, actually, he said it was not good for us to be alone. But we were still good, though. It wasn't good for us to be alone. But he still made us good. Okay. And God God did not make us with sin. He made us without sin. Sin came later because we decided that we wanted to partner with Satan to rebel against God. And that is what sin is. So we need to understand how sin, how bad it is and how serious it is. And it actually really did take all of that for Christ to save us. Because for Christ to go through all of that stuff that he went through, that should let you know right there that sin is that bad. Sin is that <laughs> sin is that serious. If it didn't take all that, that should let you know right there how much he loves you and how and how dedicated Christ was to save your soul from the wrath of God. That should tell you right there how much he loves you. And how serious it was that it, it how serious it was for you to be free from sin. He was willing to lay down his life. He was willing to take every single whip, every single punch in the face, every single insult, every single spit in the face, every single nail that went through his wrist, every single nail that went through his feet. Okay. He took every single second of shame and guilt for you. And he died the death that you deserved. And he took on all the wrath of God that you deserved. And he went through all of that. So that you can be called sons and daughters of God. So that you can be reconciled back to him. So, so before us as believers say, well, don't take all that. Just, just know that your, your, your Lord and Savior will actually say something different if you say they don't take all that I, i'm pretty sure jesus jesus would be like it, it didn't take all that so 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 these holes in my wrist so i, I just did that for nothing that, that i just did that because i just felt like dying for some <laughs> dying for some people like no no it did take all that so so having that understanding uh, I want to move on to my next point because, you know, you know, I've I've harped on the, on the on the previous two episodes of you know how Jesus, you know, he was a Old Testament teacher. He was a he was a monotheistic Jew. He taught the Old Testament, but he taught the Old Testament in the correct form that it was supposed to be taught. Okay, without the rabbinic filters without the Pharisaic filters, but he taught the Torah in its truest form. Okay. So you've heard it said, but I say to you, that was not Jesus teaching against the scriptures. That was him teaching the Torah in its truest form. Okay. Go, go check out the episode. Uh, you've heard it say, but I say to you, was Jesus teaching against the scriptures? I'm always referencing. I'm always reference that episode just so you know, because a lot of people's foundation of, of them believing that Jesus put the the scriptures secondary, they they use that proof text. They use that all the time. 
and I'm and, and I will always reference. I'm like, okay, if you believe that, go check go check out my episode, and then you test my words, and you see if 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 what I'm saying is not true. Test my words. I have no I have no reason to lie. So if if you say, well, I don't believe that, test my words. That's all I gotta say about that. But um, but back to my point. So Jesus always had the word of God on his lips. Okay. Once again, in his humanity, we, we understand that, you know, the hyperstatic union, Jesus is fully God. He's fully man. Okay. He knew all things as God. He had to learn things as a man. Okay. So Jesus was not, um, he, he did not have, uh, two mixing natures. Jesus has always been God. He was, he, he has always been eternally the son of God. Okay, but he took on an additional nature. His humanity did not change his nature. He took on an additional nature. Nature. Okay, just want to make just, just give a little clear understanding. I have a I have a future episode uh, of understanding you know the Trinity and you know understanding the hyperstatic union. I I get into all that, you know. But that's a future episode. But um, but he taught. The Old Testament, uh, he taught the Old Testament, and and like I said before, he he always had the word of God on his lips. He Jesus always said it is written. He always said he always used the scriptures as the as the defining authority. He did, and to say that he didn't, you're actually misrepresenting Jesus, and we're going to actually get into that in a minute. Okay. Um, but. Um, when he was in the wilderness with uh, with the devil being tempted um, in the wilderness by Satan, all three times he quotes Deuteronomy. Okay, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, he quoted Deuteronomy again. He says, uh, "Do not tempt the Lord your God," and then he quotes Deuteronomy again on the on the third uh, on the third attempt. Of, uh, of the devil's attempt He quotes Deuteronomy again Okay uh, He says uh, go away Go away from me Satan For it is written That um, uh, You shall only uh, Worship the Lord your God And only him you will serve Okay And just to give you a little fun fact about Jesus Do y'all know that Out of all the books In the Old Testament that Jesus quote Don't you know that Jesus quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book in the Old Testament. Just a little fun fact about Jesus. He quotes the law more than any other book in the Old Testament. He quotes the Torah. Deuteronomy is the last book in the Torah. The first five books of Moses, the first five, first five books of, of the Bible, he quotes uh, Deuteronomy. You will see it throughout the Gospels. He quotes Deuteronomy a lot. Okay, whenever it's referencing when it, when, whenever it says the scripture says or the the scriptures were fulfilled, you know, just go check the uh, the, the scripture reference. You will see that. Oh snap! Jesus was quoting the law a lot. Okay. Um. So yeah. So so Jesus taught the Old Testament. He was a Old Testament teacher. All right. So to say that he didn't to say that he wasn't an Old Testament teacher. 
Ooh, sorry about that. Um, my uh microphone had went out. My bad. Uh, what was I at? I'm, I had lost my place. Um, I'm just go to the uh, next point. Um, but yeah, I was yeah, like I was saying, you know, we we have to understand that Jesus taught uh, the Old Testament. Okay, so to say that he did it, that is the that that is the misrepresent Christ misrepresent the person of Jesus Christ okay so let's get into like uh, the meat of what I'm trying to say so the gospels so we know the gospels Matthew Mark Luke John these are eyewitness accounts of uh, of Jesus ministry okay so Jesus handpicked 12 disciples and three of them three of these disciples that Jesus handpicked on on his own three of them wrote accounts about his ministry do, do, do y'all understand what I'm where I'm where I'm going with this these were eyewitness accounts of Jesus's ministry that were written by by Jesus who picked them to be disciples under him so uh so Matthew Mark and John, okay. Matthew, Mark, and John, as his disciples, wrote an account about him to different audiences. So Matthew's account, he's writing to a Jewish audience because he wants to uh, show that Jesus um, is the Messiah, that he does fulfill uh, what the prophets had said, what the Messiah would come to do. He's trying to prove to that audience. That that dude, Jesus of Nazareth, that was called Christ, that dude, yeah, that was the Messiah. That was him. Okay, the one y'all put on the cross, the one that y'all uh, uh, killed, yeah, that was the Messiah. And he rose from the dead, by the way. Um, so so uh, Mark, his account was to show that Jesus was the son of man. Uh, Luke's account was more a because 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 Luke little fun fact about Luke he was a um he was a Gentile so he's he's actually the only Gentile uh, biblical author in the entire Bible like not not just the New Testament but the Bible period he's the only Gentile uh, writer uh you know and he and he wasn't a disciple of Jesus but he knew the disciples of Jesus who have eyewitness testimony about Jesus ministry. Okay. Um, and then John who would a lot of biblical scholars would believe that Jesus, I'm not Jesus, but John was Jesus's closest disciple. Okay. Um, and John, you know, he wrote his account to fight off like Gnostic belief that you know Jesus didn't come in the flesh or you know Jesus didn't rise bodily from the grave uh, and also wanted to prove that Jesus was God not just the son of God but he is God we don't even get into a few verses in uh, in the first chapter of his of his gospel he says in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God 
Okay, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and not one thing that has been made was not made without him. Okay, and then verse 14, it says, then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt in the Greek is that word eskenosin, which means to dwell in a tent that is supposed to trigger something in the Jewish mind that Jesus is a living, breathing tabernacle when uh in, in Exodus, when in Exodus, when when God had told Moses to tell the Israelites, build a tabernacle for me so I can dwell with you. Well, Jesus, his 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 incarnation, his flesh was a living and breathing tabernacle. He was a mobile tabernacle in human form. OK, and that and that is John's first first hand account. Because he's trying to prove that Jesus is God because he's he's an eyewitness of Jesus's ministry. Now, uh, here's what we need to know about anybody else that writes about Jesus or preaches about Jesus that contradicts what the apostles say. Um, so no writings about Jesus have a more accurate account than the gospel authors why because any writers or teachers that contradict what jesus what jesus's apostles say about him cannot be trusted because they're speaking from speculation and not from a first-hand account they are not eyewitnesses of jesus's ministry you understand but matthew mark john and i will also say luke because luke he knew Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, James. He knew these people. He knew Paul. Paul had a relationship with the well, uh, also with the uh, apostles of Christ. So these are accounts of of eyewitness testimony of Jesus's ministry. Okay, and all of them says the essentially says the same thing. And essentially says that Jesus, all of them said Jesus taught the same thing. Okay. Now they had different audiences. So they wanted to make sure that their account, uh, made sure that it was understandable for their audience. Okay. Uh, uh, I forgot to make uh, Mark's, um, audience, Mark's audience. I forgot who Mark's audience was. I think Mark's audience, I think it was still a Jewish people, but it was people who doubted that he was the son of man. Um, uh, Luke's audience Luke's audience was one dude named Theophilus and Theophilus was a wealthy man like Luke Luke was pretty much a wealthy man he was a physician and he was a historian and he also could write he was literate so only literate people in the first century those were wealthy people like you wasn't uh, you 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 didn't have you did not have the ability to write and not wealthy like that was just something that I w that was um, not like today, but because um, you know today people um, people value writing as normal that wasn't a normal thing in the first century. If you knew how to write, that means like you was like the upper class type of people. Like that's that's who that's who you were. Um, but yeah, but Luke he wrote to one dude named Theophilus. Right, that that was his audience, and also the uh, the Acts of the Apostles, the Book of Acts. Luke is also a, the author of the Book of Acts, and that 
um, book was also written to Theophilus. All right. So, and then also John, his audience was the people who doubted that Jesus was God because there were people uh, among the, the the Jerusalem church that were believing uh, the Gnostic uh, teachings that Jesus wasn't the son of God or he wasn't God or um, or he didn't come to die for sin and stuff like that. And 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 John put to bed on all of that stuff with his account, with his three epistles. And also uh, he 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 also is the uh, the author of Revelation. OK, uh, it says that Jesus came to John, and gave him the vision of what the things are to come. So all of these things that we need to make sure that we know, these are uh, our firsthand accounts, the Gospels, firsthand accounts of people who have eyewitness testimony, verifiable eyewitness testimony of Jesus's ministry. And anybody that contradicts, says something different about what the apostles say what any of them say my question is why should we trust you okay and when i say you i mean past present future i don't care who you, i don't care if you dead and gone i don't care if you living today i don't care if you listen to this 100 years from now if you say something or write something about jesus that contradicts what the eyewitness testimony says about him why should we trust you because a lot of these, a lot of these um, people who are speculative about uh, the 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 New Testament and stuff like that, they'll say that it was co-opted, or they'll say that it was, uh, it, you know, they they recorded the wrong information. It's it's so crazy how when I, I need y'all, I need y'all to listen to this. They say these things, but then when they speak on these things, they're actually um, not even they're not making their points valid either because if we cannot trust the people who Jesus handpicked himself and wrote accounts about Christ and his ministry and his crucifixion and his resurrection if we cannot trust the people who Jesus picked to write about him that means that we cannot trust Jesus either because you're also saying that Jesus picked bad people and had bad judgment. All right. And also you're, you're also uh, shooting yourself in the foot as well. Because if you're 2000 years removed and you're saying that we can't trust the eyewitness testimony of, uh, uh, of, of Jesus, why should we take your word on, uh, over? Why, why should we take your word and you are not an eyewitness testimony of Jesus's ministry? Like, understand something. Ultimately, it's your opinion. It's not a fact. That's your opinion. You can you can say all day long, well, I don't believe that Jesus said that. OK, that's your opinion. How can you prove that, though? How can you prove that? Because you can't just throw out a truth claim out there and not support it. So, I, like, understand something. Like, that would never work in the court of law. 
Like that would never work. Okay. Like if uh, if 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 there was somebody that seen a murder and they were an eyewitness, they have a first hand um account of uh of of the person that got murdered, the murderer who 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 actually took the innocent life. Um why wouldn't you trust what they say because they were there you wasn't there you weren't there but we have people who were there okay and or or you can have a secondhand account where you wasn't there but you know the people who were there you get what i'm saying so um so just 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 give a i'm just giving a little just give you a little example like like i know my mother okay i know my mother i know my father okay let's just say you know my parents okay well i say i know my parents okay you may have never met my parents but i know my parents so whatever i say about my parents you 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 have to just go with what i say about my parents because you never met them you've never seen them okay and and this is what I said about my parents. I say my parents, my parents, they were loving people. They always gave. They were all, you know, always generous. You know, they were funny people, always made making people laugh. You know, they was, you know, fun loving people, friendly people, all the other stuff, right? But if somebody came to you and say, Well, um, I know those people, and they were just they they dog people out, they just uh they they were manipulative, they were cunning, they were deceiving, they were liars and all the other stuff. But they never met my parents. They never seen my parents. And like my question to you is this. Would you believe the person who never met my parents? Would you would you believe the person that never met my parents to to tell you who my parents were? Or are you going to actually believe the people who who I, I, I actually walked with my parents? I actually was with my parents. I grew up with my parents. And I'm telling you who my parents were. If you're going to tell if you're if you're going to say that, well, I rather listen to someone who wasn't there. What type of sense does that make? Please make that make sense. What type of sense does that make? That is exactly what a lot of people that claim to be Christians. That's what a lot of people do. They believe people or you have people that is teaching something that is contrary, that is contradicting what the apostle says. But they expect people to believe them, but they're not an eyewitness account of Jesus's ministry. You would never believe anybody if if I told you about my parents and somebody contradicted what I said about my parents, you would never believe them. Because you were like, well, I know Greg, OK, and he's telling me about my parents. I never met his parents, but I'm not going to believe you over Greg and he actually knows his parents like that just that just that that is logic that is logic that's what logically makes sense so um so so we need to under understand the logic behind uh, uh of, of the gospel accounts now I said all that to say this because this this goes back to what when I'm talking about 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 Christians saying it don't take all that so this is what I so so this is what I mean. So like I said, ultimately 
is people's opinion and it's a fact. So, um, so if the gospel writers, if they never, if they, uh, if they thought it wasn't necessary to write, uh, the documents about the ministry of Jesus, then we wouldn't know who the person of Christ was if, if it wasn't for them. We would never know who he was. It's because of them is why we know who Christ is. Do, do you do y'all understand that? If it wasn't for them, we would not know who Jesus was. If they, if they did not write about Jesus, we would not know. And also, just a little fun fact about the uh, the the accounts of the uh, apostles, the gospel accounts of that was written by the apostles Matthew, Mark, and John. Understand this. Um, they were written when they were when they wrote their accounts. They were written during the time of the eyewitness of the eyewitnesses, the five hundred eyewitnesses that Paul mentions in First Corinthians fifteen. They were written during those five written during the time of the five hundred eyewitnesses that were living during that time, and the people who were also eyewitnesses of Jesus's ministry. And guess what? None of them that you're you're not gonna find, you're not gonna find not one shred. Of evidence of any eyewitness of Jesus's ministry, his eyewitness of his crucifixion, his eyewitness of his resurrection. You're not going to find not one shred of evidence that's going to speak contrary to what the apostle said. Because guess what? When they when they when they read Matthew's account, all those all those eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry, those 500 people that that seen it, that seen him alive. After his after after his resurrection, guess what? Guess what they guess what they said? Well, <laughs> Matthew told the truth. Yep, he told the truth. He most definitely told the truth. Same thing with Mark. Same thing with Luke. Same thing with John. So if you're gonna make the claim that we can't trust the the New Testament because it was co-opted and we can't we gotta believe other sources about Jesus. Really, so you're gonna believe somebody who never met Jesus. So you, so people like Muhammad, people like uh, uh, Joseph Smith. You, you know, okay. I, let me back up. So Muhammad, who started the Islamic movement, uh, Joseph Smith, who started the Mormon Church, jo, jo, uh, uh, Charles Taste Russell, who started the Jehovah Witnesses. All these people weren't there. They don't have any eyewitness account of Jesus's ministry. And guess what? All three of them contradict what the apostles say. And just like I said before, no logical person would believe uh, the person who did not, who never met Christ, who never walked with Christ physically. Nobody would ever believe um, the person who never met the people, who never met the person or people over the people who knew Christ. You would you would never you you would never take their word for it, but a lot of people, they do. And that and and right there that makes logically no sense. So, if so, it was necessary for them to write these accounts down, because if 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 they didn't, we would not know the person of Christ, and that would mean, not only would we not know the person of Christ. 
but people today could make up their own version of Jesus but it wouldn't be verified or everybody's or everybody's version of Jesus would be valid so even if it contradict the apostles if they never wrote down if they said it if, if they said it it don't take all that I'm gonna just you know just believe that Jesus you know did what he did and I don't have to write nothing down if they never wrote their eyewitness account of Jesus down People today could make up their own version of Jesus if if we if we ever found out about Jesus in the first place without them. Let's just say let's just say that. But let's just say that we still could know who Jesus was without the gospel accounts. Nobody was there. Nobody today can say that I was an eyewitness of Jesus' ministry. So that means that we could make up our own version of Jesus and it and everybody had to validate everybody's version. But no, we I don't have to do that. Because I have accounts of people who walked with Jesus, who talked with him, who ate with him, who sat with him, who had intimate conversations with him. Okay? Who was discipled under him for three years, taught the same sermons for three years, had memorized sermons from Jesus for three years. Okay, witnessed him be crucified. Uh well I'm sorry I take that back, um they, yeah they witnessed him be uh sentenced to, uh uh sentenced to execution they didn't witness his crucifixion because of course, uh <laughs> they ran off but um but uh and and they were also eyewitnesses of his resurrection and Paul even said it like this he 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 doesn't say it's my truth that. Jesus rose from the dead He said if it didn't happen Your faith is in vain <laughs> So So Our faith My my faith In Jesus Christ is, is Is founded on the historical account That this man Jesus of Nazareth Was crucified on the Roman cross By Pontius Pilate And he rose from the dead Bodily in the same body that he was crucified in He rose again bodily And he said How you're justified Believe in me And all four accounts Say the same thing Whether they were a first hand account Or a second hand account like Luke So I would rather Trust What uh, what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say Who Jesus picked himself So if you're going to say that we can't trust uh, what, what they say about Jesus Then you can't trust Jesus either I, I'm Go ahead and say that too You can't trust Jesus Because he, basically you're saying Jesus has poor judgment He has poor judgment Because he picked the wrong people That wrote the wrong stuff about him but yet you don't have no evidence, no account that contradicts that. You have no, you have, you have nothing. You just have speculation. You just have an imagination, but you have no facts. You have no facts. So stop it. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on to my next point, and then I'm gonna be done. So I want to talk about uh, these people called the Essenes. Now, um, like I said, all of the all of the stuff that I'm talking about is tied into everything to what I say about, you know, you know. When Christians say, uh, don't take all that, you don't take all this study, you don't take all, you know, the reading and stuff like that. 
I'm not saying to be a scholar, but I am saying to study to show yourself proved though. That's that's what I am saying. And these and this Jewish sect called the Essenes, they were they were literally the epitome of study to show yourself proved. Um because these these people were dedicated to the Lord. They were dedicated to the Lord. Um and we're going to see who they are and I'm and I'm going to let you know who they are in a minute. Um so just to give a quick background um so the Essenes they were a Jewish religious group uh of the second civil period and they emerged um and flourished in Palestine um from the 2nd century BC to uh 1st century AD. So the Essenes are often connected with the Jewish sectarian community and they're also known for uh writing and copying uh the Hebrew Bible, multiple copies, which we now know as the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay, and Qumran. And so, so this Essene community, they were formed in response to the Hellenistic uh, religious oppression by, uh, by the Seleucid king. Uh, his name was uh, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, all right, and uh, the high priest. Uh, were uh, and you know the high priest uh, he appointed over uh, the Jewish temple so if you don't know who uh, Antiochus Epiphanes were uh, who he was uh, basically this man during the I believe it was the second century yeah second century BC uh, this man literally attempted to destroy Judaism like completely tried to destroy Judaism uh, and everything in the Torah, he tried to undo. So you know, in the Torah, where it's, you know where where the Jews, the Israelites, they were not allowed to eat swine. Well, guess what he did? He he made it mandatory for all Jews to eat pork. Um, it was also, uh, you know, to you know in the temple and everything like that, or or like altars. I wouldn't say the altar because I believe yeah because by this time the altar was already uh, destroyed or they or they were living in the second temple uh, by this time and uh, Antiochus uh, made it made it uh, made it a mandate that every single Jew would uh, make sacrifices to foreign gods which we know in the Torah that is a no no. Like God said, you do not worship no other God but me. But Antiochus said, screw all that. You're going to worship these gods. And if you don't worship these gods, we're going to kill you. Like that, that that's what Antiochus was on. He was on that type of stuff. And so, um, so there were four groups that emerged from, uh, from the Hellenization. So Hellenization didn't start from Antiochus. It started with uh, Alexander the Great. You know, if you don't know who he is, he conquered the known world. He had four pillars to his uh, way of conquering the world uh, and making everything Greek, which was uh, it was uh, entertainment, uh, education, uh, uh, healthcare, and athletics. So, if you look at America right now, you that you can you can you can thank Alexander the Great for that because. All four of those pillars, like 
America is very much living in those pillars. Um, uh, you know, we, we can we can talk about healthcare and all the other stuff. Like, listen, everybody ain't perfect. You know, people we we can we can say that you know America got the issue with healthcare and all the other stuff. Listen, that, that this podcast ain't for that. All right, <laughs> so I'm just just letting you know that America is very Greekified. Okay, if that's even a word, it's very Greekified. And you know, you know, we, you know, we take on a lot of the, a lot of their philosophies, a lot of their ideas, a lot of, you know, Greek poets and stuff like that. So, um, so out of, out of, out of this Hellenization, you know, uh, like four groups emerged from, uh, from out of out of response of this Hellenization of Israel. It it wasn't just Israel; it was the whole world. But of course. Israel was included in that. And so there were four sects, four sects um of 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 Jewish uh groups. Um they were the Essenes, the Zealots, the Pharisees, um the Sadducees, oh, I'm sorry, it went four is five, sorry. So the Essenes, Zealots, Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Herodians. Um these were all Jewish groups that were birthed from the Hellenization of Israel. Now, all of these people how how they dealt with Hellenism were very different. Um the Essenes, they decided to escape um the uh, Greekifying of Hellenization and go into the caves, uh, go into the wilderness and live in the wilderness. Uh the Zealots, they were like we're going to kill everybody that's involved in Hellenism, you know, uh the Roman Empire you know anybody that's trying to oppress us we're listen we're we're going to kill we're going to kill you know smite thee fight thee i kill you i stab thee i cut thee i kill you i kill you in the name of god i kill you right uh, <laughs> <coughs> um the pharisees they were more so of like we're not going to do anything um we have disobeyed uh god because we have fallen away from the torah we have fallen away from his law and God will deal with Rome. God will deal with the people that is that is dealing with Hellenization. Um, we are dealing with this because of us. So I actually rock with the Pharisees, actually, because they were very um, uh, self-accountable. Like they, they held themselves accountable to why they were going through what they're going through, because they remember what the Torah says, that because of their disobedience, that is why they're going through what they were going through. So I can understand. I. I can I can actually rock with that. Um so that's why when when I say that all Pharisees are not the same, like we can't put the Pharisees and say that all the Pharisees were hypocrites or say you're a Pharisee is to equate a hypocrite. That's actually you, you know, that's actually offensive in a way. Um and to say that someone is pharisaical or that's yeah, that's you people use those use those words uh, to 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 demean a person, and it's actually borderline anti-Semitic, in a way, um, because you're using a Jewish sect that actually these these people like um, uh, the Pharisees, these people were um, that were um, dedicated to saving Judaism because they were under attack. Okay, they they were forced to uh, to not they they were not allowed to worship their God. 
Okay, so so when we go into the Gospels and see that the Pharisees are so legalistic and stuff like that, well, you got to understand these people were being oppressed. All right, they were being oppressed, so they felt like they had to like like Pharisees believed that if all of Israel obeyed the Torah all at uh, in in one day, they believed that the Messiah would come. That's how that's that's what they believed. So that's why they were so big on you know following the Torah, following the Torah, following the Torah. You know, Sadducees, they were pretty much sold out to, you know, to Rome. They were like, listen, we're going to line up our pockets. We're going to uh, make as much money, get as much success as we can. <clears throat> uh, yeah, we'll we'll do our temple uh, obligations, but sometimes we're not going to do it. Sometimes we're actually going to go to the Coliseums and go to and watch the games and stuff like that. Um, so they pretty much was abandoning uh, Judaism for Hellenism uh, And also the Herodians They were pretty much like the everyday Jew They were pretty much like a person That uh, Who embraced Hellenism They weren't a people That was you. Can, I, I, guess, I guess you wouldn't have I wouldn't say that they were evil It was just that you know Like we really appreciate Like, like the quality of our life Have been Upgraded and we're just enjoying life. So that's pretty much like the Herodian. So I'm just giving you like a short understanding of these four sects. So, um, so, but, but I'm here to talk about the Essenes. So the Essenes are one of the biggest reasons why we can trust the reliability of the Old Testament. Um, because if it had not been for them and their dedication to preserve the Tanakh or the Hebrew Bible, um, that we couldn't verify if Jesus is really who he said that he is, which is the Messiah. Because if you actually look at when the Dead Sea Scrolls were written, the Dead Sea Scrolls, they, these Essenes, they they wrote the, these copies. Um, they made thousands of them, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of copies. And they made these copies and 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 they're dated 200 years before Jesus Jesus came on the scene Jesus came uh into the earth okay and guess what all of the prophecies they they 200 years prior to Jesus uh all of all of uh all of the copies that they made copying the Torah because they actually had the original uh uh scrolls and they were copying from the original scrolls. Um, and I just want to give y'all a little picture of how they did it. So how they copied these um, these uh, manuscripts, it was a four-person job. So one person would read a word. Uh, uh, one person would verify that they had read the correct word. Then you had a person that would write the word. And then that person behind them would confirm uh, and and verify that they had written down the correct word. So it was read the word, verify the word, write the word, verify the word. And they did this every every copy. They made thousands. Listen, they made thousands of these things. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you how much respect that they have for Yahweh. Whenever they got to writing down God's name Yahweh, they would go to the uh, the mikvah which is where the place where they would go and get 
uh, ceremonially clean or, you know, do their ritual cl cleansing. And they would go and wash their hands and all these things because they did not want to, uh, they, they, they felt, they felt, they felt that it was very disrespectful to write God's name with, with unclean hands or to even speak God's name with unclean lips. Okay. Like that's how much respect and reverence that they had for Yahweh. They didn't believe in writing his name with dirty hands. They did not uh, uh, believe in saying his name with a dirty mouth. They wanted to make sure that their intentions were, were clean before they wrote his name or spoke his name. And that's how, that, that's how big and that's how dedicated they were. Um, and the reason why they made all these copies is because they wanted to make sure that whenever Israel woke up from, because understand this, like, like the Essenes, they were completely disgusted with Hellenism. Like they believe, because, because the Sadducees and a lot of these people, they were in the temples and they were completely corrupt. They turned the temple of God to a corrupted place. They were serving uh, Rome. They were doing uh, uh, serving uh, uh, under Roman Empire and uh, all of this stuff, and and the Essenes was like that. That that's the sign that it only means that this was the end of the world. Okay, so just giving you a picture of the Essenes. They 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 were actual priests, so they would keep they would come back to Jerusalem and do their priestly duties but after they finished their priestly duties they went back into the wilderness and they continued to be devoted to God but just know that like they these but these people still um like kept the faith because they believed that one day that Israel would wake up from uh from from the Hellenization of the Greeks and what what they believed was that that they needed to make a right path for them when they woke up. So what they did was they got they, they believe heavily on the scriptures of Jeremiah six sixteen and Isaiah forty one through five. Um. So so Jeremiah six verse sixteen. Matter of fact, let me. Um. So yeah. Yeah, Jeremiah 6, 16, it says this. It says, this is what the Lord says, and this is in the CSB. This is what the Lord says. Stand by the roadways and look. As for the ancient paths, which is the way to what is good. Then take it and find rest for yourselves. But they protested, we won't. So that that is Jeremiah uh, 6, 16. So the Essenes... They wanted to know the path, um, uh, not just that they not not just that they could walk it, but for the rest of Israel to walk the path. They didn't they didn't want them to just to make it, and and know the right path. They wanted their brethren to know the path as well. Okay, and then, and I say this too, because Israel. If if Israel finally had woke up from being so indulged in Hellenism, 
um, and came to the desert, they would see that the Essenes had already created a path for them to 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 the to, you know created a path of righteousness to them, and they they and that they would repent, and they that would they would be ready to be shown the path by the Essenes. Now Isaiah forty one through five, it says this. It says, "Comfort, comfort my people, my people," says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, uh, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up every mountain and hill made low uh the rough the rough ground shall be made level the rugged uh place uh places a plain and the glory of the lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together for the mouth of the lord has spoken so these passages so isaiah 41 through 5 and jeremiah 6 6 um these passages were instilled in the Essenes' mind. That this these passages shaped their worldview of bringing Israel back to Yahweh. Okay, that's why because they these people were dedicated not just for themselves, but they were fasting and interceding on behalf of the rebellious members of Israel. Okay. So they they believed they needed to go into the wilderness to prepare this path. Why? Because that's what Isaiah 40 um, verse three, I think it is. Yeah, it says a voice of of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. So. Um, so yeah, so these people believe that in order for us to make this path, we got to go into the wilderness. Okay. Now, um, so, so they made it available for the people in the wilderness and they prepared the way, uh, for people to repent for their sins, to repent and turn back to God because they had rebelled against God, um, multiple times. But in this particular case, they had abandoned God by um, uh, allowing Hellenism to renew their mind rather than Yahweh to renew their mind. Now, uh, I'm going to give y'all a, 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 a treat right here. So, y'all know Jesus' cousin. Y'all remember that dude? What was his name? Um, oh, yeah. John the Baptist. Him. Y'all remember him? Uh you do know the you do know John the Baptist was raised by these people, right? Um, how how we know that and and there's a and there's a actual there's an actual strong case for uh, uh for for John the Baptist to be an Essene. Either he was an Essene or he was either or he was either raised by Essenes. Um is a is a very strong case for that. So here are like some some reasons why, and this is what like uh, most biblical scholars say about 
John the Baptist being an Essene or either raised by Essenes because number one, John, he was deeply uh, influenced and he was entrenched and was instilled uh, of the passage in Isaiah 40. Okay. So where is he, where is he at? He's in the wilderness um, uh, baptizing people. So he, he, he's actually, he's going to use, he's actually going to use these passages that the Essenes like shape their worldview on and these verses from Isaiah 40 is like the foundation it was like the root of their whole ministry to bring Israel back to Yahweh and uh number two so number two John was a Nazarite so you know what the Nazarite vow, you know, uh Samson, he took the Nazarite vow. Of course, John the Baptist, he took the Nazarite vow. Uh Jesus, he also took the Nazarite vow as well. because uh, he was a you know Nazareth, Nazarene. Um I forgot who else took the Nazarite vow. Oh yeah, uh Samuel. He also took the Nazarite vow as well. And you know, the Nazarite vow is, you know, I won't touch dead animals, I won't drink strong drinks. I won't eat certain foods, you know, I won't eat swine or nothing like that, you know, stuff like that, right? Um, so John uh was a Nazarite. He took the Nazarite vow. He he was a Nazarite from birth, like Samson and uh Samuel. So when you're a Nazarite, guess what that means? That means that you you're you are your life is dedicated to serving the Lord. That's so um and one of the ways you would um dedicate your child as a Nazarite in the first century was to drop them off at a Essene community and let them raise your son or yeah, yeah. Raise your son in the fear of the Lord. So it, it just, I'm just painting you a picture, just painting you a picture here. So John the Baptist, he was deeply influenced by Isaiah 40. Um, John the Baptist was a Nazarite from birth. Uh, in the first century, uh, you 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 will actually like drop off your child in an Essene community. Well, the Essene community were, um, the Essene community were in the wilderness. Uh, fact number four: John the Baptist was baptizing three miles from the Essene community. because uh, if you look at the uh, the location of the Jordan River where John the Baptist was baptizing the the Qumran caves three miles away like you could actually look over the caves and see you could actually see like John the Baptist um uh doing the baptism so he was literally three miles away from these Essene community like this Essene community so 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 John he's not he, he wasn't baptizing in the temple he's he's baptizing uh uh in the Jordan River why because he believes that the temple was corrupt just like the Essenes believe that the temple was corrupt by rogue priest so he goes to the desert um because he's not going to submit to the Sadducee authority now notice i said Sadducee authority not Pharisee authority because the Sadducees and the Pharisees they did not think the same because we we tend to you know get the Pharisees and the Sadducees to make them think that they were together because we see in, in the gospels that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're working together to try to 
you know, kill Jesus. But when you actually study the history of the Pharisees and the history of the Sadducees, these people did not think the same. So that lets you know that there were there were certain type of Pharisees that were doing this and certain type of Sadducees that were doing this. So, um, so there's that. So, so, so there are a lot of connections with 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 John the Baptist being an Essene. And I want you to paint this picture here because it ties back then to, you know, what people say that, you know, it really don't take all that. Well, I need y'all to understand this. If John the Baptist had that same mentality, do you know that when the glory of God re that was revealed um, in the person of Jesus Christ, he came in the wilderness the glory of God that is that, that is prophesied in Isaiah 40. The glory of God came in the person of Christ and he came through the wilderness. Okay. Came through the wilderness now. And he baptizes Jesus. Okay. In the wilderness. Three miles from an Essene community. If John the Baptist was not where he. If, if John the Baptist wasn't where he was. In the wilderness This prophecy falls flat Now I'm not saying that We gotta live in the wilderness to dedicate <laughs> to, to fully dedicate our lives to, to, to Jesus that's not what I'm saying But what I'm saying is Saying is this That these people Understood that I am going to Sacrifice uh, uh, You know Pleasure I'm gonna sacrifice my will not not sacrifice my well-being but I'm, I'm sacrificing what i want because i want to serve israel i want to serve my brothers and sisters because they are lost they don't they don't know what they're doing or a lot of them know what they're doing but they're interceding on their behalf and john the baptist who is jesus's cousin he makes the path straight for Jesus to come and walk that path as he is the uh as he is the revealed glory of God um in the person of Jesus. And John the Baptist made that path straight for Jesus to come and to be baptized and to push and further flourish the ministry of Jesus and that Jesus could be who he said that he is that he is the savior he is the messiah he is the son of god he is the son of man but if it wasn't for john the baptist that he if it wasn't for john the baptist making that path straight then jesus then then the glory of the lord and the person of jesus would have never came which means that jesus would have never came which means that if the Essenes were not in the wilderness where they were, then John the Baptist would not be there. The glory of God and the person of Jesus would not be there. And that means that we would never have a ministry of Jesus. You see, you, you see, you see, you see what we got to be careful when we say it's not that serious. It don't take all that. Uh, you're doing too much. All that other stuff. But we got to be careful when we say that. Because. 
it is very important that we know and and and, and also just going back to the Essenes for a minute if the Essenes didn't make all those copies of 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 the Hebrew Bible then we couldn't trust the Old Testament and if we couldn't trust the Old Testament we couldn't trust anything that Jesus said because Jesus said I came to fulfill the law and the prophets well if there's nothing to verify there is no law and the prophets so that means that everything that Jesus says falls flat and we couldn't trust him and we couldn't verify anything that he says it is because of the Old Testament we know that he's the Messiah because he fulfills all 300 prophecies that is in the Old Testament about the Messiah he fulfills all 300 of them so just want to make sure we understand that so um so that's it y'all i want to thank you so much so 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 much for listening uh, once again to another episode of theologetics and i am very excited about this and i want people once again to help people get biblically literate um i helping people to understand the Bible, understand the scriptures, understand the, uh, the sacred text, uh, because it's, it, it's going, it's going to benefit you in the long run. It really is. Like I said, I'm not saying that every, everybody has to be a Bible scholar. I'm not saying that everybody has to be a Hebrew scholar or a Greek scholar or not. I'm not saying that at all, but we are required to study to show ourselves approved. Not just, not just do our daily devotions and, nothing against daily devotions we need to do that we need to do that yes spend time with god spend time you know spend time with god in your daily devotion but at the same time we can't just do daily devotions we also have to take the time to study our word okay and on that note that's it um thank you so much um i am greg williams jr this is theologetics and I am out of here. Love you guys. Peace.